0: To the Wasatch Report. This is episode 90. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Jeff Johnson and I are going to talk about an issue today that is probably the most contentious, divisive issue that's really troubling us as Americans today. This was never intended to be a, a national issue according to the Constitution as ratified, but today we're going to have a thought provoking and respectful discussion about the topic of abortion. Jeff, a few years ago, you and I had interviewed. Uh, gubernatorial candidate Dan Fisher, who was running for office in the state of Oklahoma on a platform of banning abortion, no exceptions. Uh, you remember that one?
1: Yeah, I remember that. That was a really good interview, and I enjoyed it. And it was very thought-provoking. And to this day, I still agree that it, with Dan Fisher on this and uh, that it is a state issue.
0: It is absolutely a state issue, which is precisely why you know, we, we interviewed him, and we will always err on the side, or I shouldn't say err because it is the proper argument, but we're always going to fall on the side of federalism, even if we dislike the outcomes in Supreme Court, for instance, or if we approve of the outcomes, I should say, in the Supreme Court, for instance, when they strike down gun laws in states like California and New York. Ultimately, when you support that, you're, you're granting legitimacy to Washington, D.C.'s authority, over issues they were never intended to control, I want to ask people, please listen and share support this show when you see the links, let people know i I said to you guys on the last one that because of stuff going on in my life we haven't been able to be consistent we lost our monetization on anchor so i I think we can get that back and uh, it's going to take your help though you can also go to my website SuzanneCSherman.com. there are links to both the podcasts there you'll see that the thumbnail for the Wasatch report has a different look now I want to thank Roxanne our musical sponsor for letting me capture that from their video well let me get back to the topic today jeff about a week ago cnn actually covered a story about a woman who lives in the state of florida with her husband and four-year-old son and she was uh, she was not able to terminate a pregnancy with a baby that was not expected to survive. We'll get into what the exact condition of it was. Uh, I found this article uh, to be very thought provoking, and and so many of the issues. And and Jeff, as we know, there is a spectrum when it comes to opinions on abortion from the far left. It is on demand, no matter when, uh, no, no matter when, up till the day of delivery, partial birth abortion. And I, I saw, you know how they have those uh, people on YouTube doing interviews of people on the street. This one guy was interviewing a woman clearly in favor of of abortion, and she said, "Whenever the mother wants, whenever the mother wants." Everything he asked her about abortion and when it could be, are there any outer limitations? He finally asked her. What if the kid's two years old? And without even really thinking or hearing the question, or maybe she did, which is what's really scary. She said the same thing, whatever the mother wants. On the other side is outright ban, no exceptions for incest or rape. And again, we've discussed that. I can see that argument because why should the child receive the death penalty for the acts of the father? Uh, and and that's, that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's a valid point as well. And then we also, I heard, you know, when and, and I'm not, I'm not a, attributing these statements to Dan or anybody on his team, but when he was campaigning, I actually saw on social media, some people calling out and out for the death penalty for the mothers or the doctors who perform these procedures in that state. I don't think that kind of rhetoric is helpful, nor is the kind of rhetoric when people have had multiple abortions bragging about how many abortions they had and how great there were. Then you kind of get more in the midstream. And and I've had people tell me that they had one. Oh, I just had two babies back to back. My body just can't deal with this. again. I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not. I'm thinking to myself, I think your body could. Uh, It was meant to do this but I'm not going to tell them that, but I'm also not under the obligation to say, well, you have to do what's right for you. And I don't have to support that. I had, I have had other friends and we've seen this on the media as well, where they say it wasn't the right time for me. And when people tell me that and say, look at all the things I have now and point to their beautiful house that apparently would have been unattainable had they given birth. I don't feel an obligation to say good for you. You did what was right for you. You can simply say nothing because you're not going to change somebody's mind. And there's really no point to that. Uh, Jeff, did you want to add anything before I get into this case out of Florida?
1: No, I think that I have really pretty much over the years uh, come down into a position of an abolitionist. I I do truly believe that it should be abolished. It should not happen. It's not necessary to kill an unborn child uh, to uh, make your life easier. But, you know, we'll get into that as we go along with this discussion.
0: Yeah, and and I agree. I mean, I I think the unfortunate thing is oftentimes abortion is simply used as birth control. And I I think that's very, uh, very sad, very unfortunate. But I also am going to touch on a little bit later what the downfalls are on having a ban from a legislative uh, government standpoint. So let's Let's share this story because this is tragic, and this was clearly not an incident where it was a matter of convenience. This was a baby that was very much wanted by both parents and the four year old sibling to be again This isn't what we're talking about; abortion is birth control, and even when they say there should be exemptions and bans for the mother and the life of you know the life of the mother, we always say you know. then then you have two patients. But this is clearly an example where, yes, they had two patients, but one was not going to survive. So without further ado, let me just get into this a little bit. And again, like I said, this was a case out in Florida where recently now Florida law has now allowing abortions only up until 15 weeks unless two doctors confirm a fatal diagnosis of fetal abnormality. And this must be right in writing. So a woman in Florida, her name is Deborah Dorbert, and she was uh, carrying a son. His name was Milo, and he died in her arms on March 3rd, shortly after he was born. And this is what her doctors predicted he would. Now, the headline, of course, is a bit inflammatory, but it's CNN. But I, I will have to say here, I do admire... Uh, the way they did lay this article out because a thinking person and maybe not too many of them are following CNN, but you can see a lot of issues that uh, support that are going to lead to our conversation here that really weren't covered in this article. But I have to say, by and large, this was a pretty fair uh, article by CNN. But what it says here is because of Florida abortion laws, she carried her baby to term knowing he would die, which is true. So that is fair, but there's so much more to it. So he was born shortly after birth and her pregnancy was proceeding normally until, at, until 24 weeks. They had an ultrasound showing that the fetus did not have kidneys and that it also hardly had any amniotic fluid. Now, amniotic fluid is important for proper lung development. So that's why that's an issue there. So they told her that the diagnosis was, was morbid. Uh, the, the baby was sure to die. The doctors told her this, But the pregnancy put her also, the mother here, at especially high risk of preeclampsia, which can be a a potentially uh, fatal complication. They said it was too late to terminate the pregnancy in Florida, which bans nearly, as we said, all abortions after 15 weeks. So her only options were to go out of state to get an abortion or to carry the baby full term. And she said that she didn't have the money to travel. But here's the other thing, because you can always say, well, if you can't afford to travel, maybe you should be having kids. That's not really the issue. Here's an issue here, too. They say later in the article they were afraid of being prosecuted as well if they had traveled across state lines. Florida does not have a law prohibiting crossing of the state lines to have an abortion, but it has been proposed in other states who have had bans on it now subsequent to the Dobbs versus Jackson ruling, which, as we mentioned, returns it to the states. Jeff, I find any law making crossing a crossing a state border to commit a crime is troublesome because now it's putting you in the position of having to justify why you are leaving the state. What if you're going to cross state lines and go on vacation and do something there that's not legal in your home state? I'll give you an example. Marijuana recreational is illegal in the state of Utah. Gee, we've got two states bordering Utah on the east and on the west, Colorado and Nevada, respectively, where recreational marijuana is perfectly legal. Are you going to be subject to prosecution under under such a, a concept by going across those state lines and doing that? In fact, because of Utah's laws, even with regards to liquor, there are stories of people reporting uh, Utah license plate vehicles in places like Evanston or Wendover, who then back and cross state lines, and then they're arrested for that. Did you want to contribute, Jeff?
1: Yeah, I have an example as well. So New York State, pretty much uh, firearms are heavily regulated and not really uh, desired in the state of New York, and they pass laws constantly making it more and more difficult. So New York State passes a law that makes it illegal to cross state lines to purchase a firearm out of state that they deem is illegal. So they have heavy restrictions on ARs and AKs. So if you, you crossed over to a state like Pennsylvania... Where there's no law saying they can't sell you that long gun because it's a long gun, it's not a pistol, so they could sell it to you. They could New York State can make it illegal for you to go across state lines to buy a legal firearm in another state. So, see all you conservatives. I mean, it's it actually falls back on you too. You this can be done to you as well. It's not yeah. just about the marijuana or just about abortion. It can come back on you as well as far as firearms or whatever else you want to have that's uh, legal in one state and illegal in another.
0: Now, here's something interesting, too. Now, say a woman who's pregnant, and let's say a woman who's who's visibly pregnant, and California, when you enter California from Utah, you're subject to an inspection at the border from the Department of Agriculture. Well, what if they've been told, you know, uh, California obviously wouldn't report this, but what if it's noticed by somebody that maybe might be against abortion that works at one of those stands? This woman here is noticed, oh, this woman's pregnant. Is she coming to California for this? Or somebody sees uh, some, a woman who's pregnant at a fuel station somewhere coming going into the state. Could that person be reported? What if it's known that this woman's reported? Because every month you get your little Google report or weekly, whenever it comes out, that tracks everything on your phone where you've been we've talked about geofencing before where they can look at the cell phone uh, areas to see who's gone where and let's say they're going to start tracking somebody that might be pregnant what did you, why did you cross state lines or they have gone to planned parenthood or they've gone to their ob and now there's a, there's a electronic medical file because we know that now the feds are can have access to all this and Uh, Who else could have access? Are they going to share this with law enforcement? This woman's pregnant. Oh, she crossed state lines. She went into Nevada or Colorado. Why did she go there? This is a really slippery slope. I find this very concerning. Uh, I I don't think that any conservatives that have really uh, proposed such laws They are more concerned with this draconian version of control than they are with true freedom or liberty of any kind, let alone privacy. Also, another word of privacy, the whole reason that uh, Roe was justified was a woman's right to privacy. And that was followed up by uh, Casey versus Planned Parenthood, where they, and we've discussed this before, this was justified using the 14th Amendment. Again, we've gone over that ad nauseum. But in, in law school, in con law, constitutional law, they explain this case away by balancing the competing interests going through the, fir- the three trimesters. So on the first trimester, it is the mother's right to privacy versus the government's legitimate authority to regulate abortions. And obviously, as the baby develops, and then in the third trimester, they say the state interest in um, regulating abortion supersedes the mother's right to privacy. But what we really didn't see acknowledged or discussed in any of these cases, and this also applies to the case we're talking about now, is baby's interest. At no time is the baby's interest and in the personal feelings or the, the, the personal impact that this is going to have on the families themselves. So the baby's interest and the family's interest beyond the realm of simply privacy. So Getting back a little bit into the facts of this case, again, the Florida law allows this once two doctors confirm this. There were two Florida Republican representatives who co-sponsored this 15-week ban, and one of them, uh, Persons McCullough, issued the following statement. The intent of the law is quite clear. We are providing mothers with the resources they need to raise healthy children. I don't know what that would be. Empowering doctors to help their patients and make informed decisions and shifting the conversation to valuing life. Jeff, that's a typical politician's non answer to a question. Now, this is also up for review in the Florida State Supreme Court, which is exactly exactly where it belongs, but this is one fetal heart rate monitor. This is going to be after six weeks, with an exception for fatal fetal abnormalities so this is the problem here this law one of the reasons that she was not able to terminate her pregnancy knowing that the baby was not going to survive was the doctors had been reticent to sign off on terminating the pregnancy for fear of legal uh, liability for this they're not sure perhaps they'd be subject to a lawsuit later on down the line or subject to criminal prosecution because one of the definitions of pot disease i'm sorry Potter disease is that it is incompatible to life. Jeff, I don't think incompatible to life and fatal are really the same thing, do you?
1: No, that's just um some kind of lawyer speak I think at that point or these doctors are just hedging their bets because they don't really know. Well, maybe it's going to be fatal, maybe it's not. You know, that's the whole problem with this, these doctors and these lawyers obfuscate the whole issue and you don't know for sure one way or the other, what is going to happen. And that's why, that's why I really am happy that she went full term and I'll get into that later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I look forward to your commentary and what's interesting here again, incompatible to life and fatal. Here's the issue. The baby had no kidneys. Well, you could argue if you really wanted to prosecute this woman and the doctor, Hey, We have this thing called dialysis so you are sentencing this baby and this family to a lifetime of dialysis up until if ever this baby can get a kidney transplant this woman's pregnancy was affected by another pregnancy from 10 years prior and this also has impacts. I don't mean to bring in class warfare, but gosh darn it. Uh, And this isn't even class warfare. This is really an issue of, and you'll see, this mother had a special benefit. Why her son was a medical marvel. Let me get into this story a little bit. In 2012, Jamie Herrera Butler, oh, a Republican United States congressman from Washington State. She was pregnant with a baby who like the Dorberts had Potter uh, syndrome. Again, this affects more than just the kidneys as I mentioned earlier, functioning kidneys produce amniotic fluid, which is what we said earlier, this baby uh, Milo did not have sufficient amniotic fluid. And this is what the fetus breathes into their lungs. And if there's not enough of it, the lungs aren't going to develop properly. Now this isn't essentially problematic in the womb as a baby with underdeveloped lungs, also gets placenta from the oxygen, but after birth, it's an entirely different issue. Well, during her pregnancy, uh, this Congresswoman here and her husband heard the baby's heartbeat on ultrasound. And so they knew the baby was still alive, but they had a gut feeling that something wasn't right. And this baby was diagnosed again, uh, as I mentioned with with Potter. So uh, this happened when they, used an experimental treatment now at John Hopkins. Now, Jeff, it's amazing what kind of care is available when you're a representative of the U.S. government. Does that sound fair?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much, uh, you know, the haves and the have-nots.
0: Yeah, and and we saw now the cushy benefits they got after the Affordable Care Act and and their <laughs> the level they have. But after a week or so, now, this, this baby got a series of weekly infusions. You didn't see that option. That wasn't discussed for this family here. Their daughter, they, so I don't know if I said they had a son, I beg your pardon. was a daughter. Abigail was born 12 weeks prematurely. She survived on dialysis until she was big, big enough for a kidney transplant from her father. They said that this now girl is a happy, healthy, big sister. Through divine intervention, uh, no, through uh, congressional benefits from being a parasite in Washington, D.C., from your home state of Washington State, and some courageous doctors, which, again, this other woman didn't have access to. They really didn't understand the uh, scope of this law that would have allowed her to terminate the pregnancy had had she been able to do so. The doctors, thanks to uh, the divine intervention, we now have Abigail in our lives. It must be freaking nice. She is now a strategic advisor to the Children's Hospital Association, and she did not respond to questions on this story here. And a little bit about Potter syndrome uh, is discussed in this article, and here was a study And this is going to show really what the benefits of being a United States Congresswoman have. There were 18 pregnant women with fetuses who did not have kidneys. They received uterine saline infusions. They went to the researchers one to three times a week. And each time the doctors inserted a needle into their uterus for the procedure. When I read that, Jeff, I thought, oh, wow because with amniocentesis, when they test the fetal fluid in there, uh, that comes at a risk of miscarriage. So this procedure takes about an hour and they made these visits for 11 weeks. So here are the results of this study. Four of the 18 were still alive. One baby was stillborn. The other 17 were born prematurely and alive. Of those 17, again, we said this could cause either miscarriage or premature uh, labor, 14 survived to the age of two weeks. Over the next two years, eight of those 14 children died without ever leaving the hospital. The remaining six babies spent an average of six months in the hospital and then went home Two later died, and the other four are on dialysis. Not one has received a kidney transplant, unlike the little uh, child of said Congresswoman. Jeff, to me, this is just, uh, you know, I I think this really spells out how dire the situation is. I think the conservative lawmakers in Florida were really focused on the fact that, yes, this one baby did survive, but they ignored the mortality rate and the suffering of the others. Is that fair to say?
1: Well, this that's where it gets a little bit dicey, because, like I said, I am glad that she carried the baby to turn because she was able to hold the baby. Mm-hmm. It was alive for a short time, and then the baby died in her arms. She got to say hello to that baby, where if she murdered the baby because it had a an ex, a condition that was fatal, she would have never had that opportunity. They would have just thrown it in the garbage can and it would have been all over. But because it was alive at birth, she was able to say goodbye. And even if in these cases were stillbirth, terrible thing, yeah, terrible thing that there's stillbirth. But the parent is able to hold that baby because it was born. And they're able to grieve at that moment that they lost that child. And that's the whole thing with this. Instead of just sentencing these children to death, uh, if they allow these parents to have a moment of grief, I think that these parents will move on from these situations a little bit better off than some of these women that maybe have uh, problems later in life because they had these abortions.
0: Yeah, let me just, I don't want to, I don't like correcting anybody on, on you know, during our show, but just for purposes of respecting the position of the other side, because clearly you and I stand on the, you know, pro-life and abolition side, but I really want to avoid the use of the term murder. Uh, I think from the conservative side, that is uh, inflammatory, and that is something that uh you know, considering the legal term of murder, it's the unlawful killing of a human being by another. And clearly this would not have been an unlawful killing. So I don't wanna join that camp of the people that are, th- you know, uh, throwing these terms around and, uh, you know, causing 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 things to escalate. And again, I think there's a better argument for it when it's done for convenience. But if you go from the point that it is it is legal, uh, I would say they are absolutely killing these baby. And I think babies and termination of pregnancy is a significant euphemism. But, you know, when you talk about the ability of the mother to hold this baby and parents to see this baby and and, and say goodbye. Uh, I had a friend telling me a story about when her her son was born. I didn't know the whole story. And so I'm listening to the the story of how she went, just like this this woman here had her ultrasound, and the doctor goes, hmm, and walks out of the room. Well, it turned out this baby had a condition. I don't remember if it was the same one, but the diagnosis was the same. It was a devastated diagnosis. The baby was not going to survive much after birth at all. And my friend opted to do exactly what you just suggested, Jeff. She had the baby. She got to hold it, and she got to say goodbye. And you know how I like to think of it, and I just kind of get choked up thinking about it is, because uh, I know when she when she when the story came to that part, which I wasn't expecting, I just cried my eyes out. This little baby lived a perfect life; it knew uh, nothing but the love of its mother. Sorry, <laughs> and yeah, they got to say goodbye. But here's the thing: who are we to say who has to go through that if they don't want to? If it's going to be harder for that family and that mother who is a legislature to say we are going to force you to have this experience because we think ultimately you will, you will so, you'll be so grateful that you had that opportunity to, to hold your baby and say goodbye rather than having some sterile procedure done just to terminate the pregnancy, forget what's really happening. The point of the matter is I think this really is an issue that because of the writing of this law, Uh, And the, the lack of clarity, the doctors were not sure what they could do. And this woman felt that she was forced to carry a baby to term. And it wasn't just because it's probably a better idea that she gets to celebrate this life and say goodbye, hold the baby, look at it. The baby gets to experience love its entire short life. But the mother suffered tremendously during this ordeal because of the lack of amniotic fluid. The baby didn't have a lot of cushioning in her body. She suffered tremendous back pain while she was trying to work. She went through severe anxiety, severe depression. Meanwhile, she has a four-year-old that needs its, her mom, you know, his mom. And so this child went through that as well. And this is something that these people don't have the resources to have all these tests, to have all these procedures that could save the baby's life. And uh, I might not agree with what her decision to... Uh, to uh, to terminate the pregnancy, but I don't think it's anybody else's right to force them to do that. Does that make any sense?
1: It makes sense, but I'm going to just say I disagree co- completely. Uh, I mean, what gives a person a right to end someone else's r- life? It's not their life; it's someone else's life, and I totally disagree. I that's just I'll be respectful, and that's where I'm going to leave it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I and I can respect these differences of
1: opinion. Let me just add one thing. Let me just add this though too, that. So what gives government the right to make someone ending someone else's life legal? I mean, where does where does government get that power? I mean, do we? So uh, you know, let's say I I don't know, uh, Grandma's not doing so well. Let's just let in Grandma's life. You know, she's uh, you know having a hard time walking around and. You know, it's, uh, you know, I can't afford a hip for, her, but let's just end grandma's life. You know, that's it's legal in some states. So let's just end it. You know, I, I have a problem when we have government that gets involved and allows people to end other people's lives. It, it just is not, I mean, I it's just not government's role to end, make it legal to end lives.
0: Well, and here's, and that's the point I think that you, you struck on that is so crucial, Jeff. You said what makes the government think they have the power to make this legal. And this goes back again. I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect this issue of human life and babies by comparing it to, to uh cannabis, but this is what I've said with the legalization of marijuana. Legalization simply creates massive bureaucracies and taxes, and you know, being treated like you're a criminal if you go into a dispensary. Uh, The problem with legalization is is it necessitates the involvement of government into your activity. The government could just simply say, we're going to stay out of the business of how doctors treat women in these circumstances. This article here goes into the fact that this law really doesn't cover the issue of, or Potter syndrome, I should say, It doesn't adequately cover it. So this woman really had no source of recourse and it caused her again, continuing to be pregnant, tremendous strain on her personally. And as a mother also finances with a lot of these people, they might not be able to support a baby that has these lifelong life-threatening illnesses. I mean, we have to at least acknowledge that if you're going to require this, and and this isn't me saying, because you see a lot of the left saying, hey, if you want us to have these babies, then you can pay for all of their expenses. Nobody's saying right, nobody's saying that. But what I am saying is these expenses can be financially devastating for a family. Being forced to carry a a child uh, to term who's going to have a devastating illness, may not survive, may live longer, and then you have other children that you have to take take care of. These are things that we need to consider. And I, I don't think if anybody just discounts this, that you're winning any, any hearts and minds over and the issue is going to continue to be this contentious. We're going to take a quick break for our musical sponsor, Roxanne, and then we'll wrap up this issue.
1: tonight open our eyes tonight Music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Rat Pack Records com, and Roxanne
0: Welcome back. Jeff and I are talking about a woman in the state of Florida who had to carry a baby with a fatal diagnosis to term. Even Jeff and I don't agree completely on this, but, you know, nobody's calling each other baby killers. And I really I my my stance on abortion is very clear. I am very much against it. Uh, but I don't believe that we should call for a government ban. I don't think it should be quote legalized. I think that there shouldn't be uh, government interference in in issues when we have you know again when we have a baby with a very uh significant diagnosis jeff i support from a federalism standpoint uh states banning it if they want to that's not what i'm i'm not getting into saying that states have no no power to regulate abortion i'm really talking about an issue here that we have to consider because this is not a matter of convenience. There are people with devastating diagnoses that can have significant physical impact, not only on the mother, but also, uh, you know, psychological, financial and other devastating impacts on the family for a longer term. Some of these babies uh, that survived the one from the Congresswoman, again, dialysis, uh, kidney transplant, most people aren't going to be able to afford that specifically a family like this one who was the the subject of this. you know, Jeff, one of the things that also concerned me, too, is if we get into the state getting into the regulation of abortions. And again, now, and this can be for all abortions, let's say six weeks or whatever, or an outright ban. You go to your OB and you find out you're pregnant and you start going your to get your, you know, your well care, your your prenatal care and your visits and you have a miscarriage. This happened to me. I had a miscarriage between my two. I lost a baby. It was hard enough at that time without now having to explain to maybe my files have to be maybe maybe the state's going to come up with a law that says any pregnancy that doesn't come to term is going to be in, is going to be gone over by the state. We're going to we're going to look at this. And now you're going to be held accountable for having a miscarriage. It might seem like a, an extreme example, but there might be cases where, oh, you know, I, I get it. You shouldn't be using drugs. You shouldn't be drinking heavily. You should be taking care of yourself when you're pregnant. But this could ensnare women who might otherwise be not not ever questioned about this, but having at a very difficult time of their life to explain why that baby didn't come to term. Or is there going to be some sort of a software tracking trigger? Oh, this baby, uh, they went in, uh, I see their insurance, they went in for prenatal care. And oh, this is a year later, we don't have a baby. Maybe we better investigate that. Maybe we better call the doctor's office. Maybe we need to do a wellness check on the baby. Is there a baby? What's the deal here? This is inviting more intrusion into government, uh, uh, more government intrusion into a very, very personal aspect of your life. You know That also, like crossing the state borders, I think it's a very, very... A slippery slope, you know, and what are some ways that conservatives and people that want these babies to live to to better, have a better, have a better way to save lives. And I had a good friend out here in Park City, there is a pregnancy center, which supports women, these women that are that are scared that might go to Planned Parenthood and be convinced, uh, convinced to terminate their pregnancy and kill their baby. I didn't say murder, but I'll say kill to kill their baby uh might be encouraged to keep this baby. You know, choice, let's support the women that choose life as well. Uh these women get supplies, they get blankets, they get they get, you know, support from people and th- this is a role again, I'm I'm going to reiterate for private charities, churches, secular Whatever it can be, but there can be support for these people to make them know that this isn't uh, this isn't the end of your life it 's the beginning of a beautiful new life with a beautiful new baby and family so I, i'd rather rather than looking at bands, try and find a way to support these people and encourage them and let them know they 're loved and supported and This is actually a blessing and it is a miracle and it 's not something to um you know get out of because it's just an inconvenient time for you and and you know, by all means, we need to have compassion for women like this This poor lady in Florida and her family. Um, I, I think I would have, I, I agree with you, Jeff, I wouldn't ever consider uh, terminating that pregnancy. Um, and, uh, but I can't make that decision for somebody else. I really can't. And this is where Um, this is where I, I have an issue with government coming in and interfering with this. It was not right for her. It caused her tremendous pain physically and made her not be able to be a better mom. And the point of this is there, there aren't any answers, but really my purpose for wanting to address this is to just encourage people to just try and understand. I think people on both sides are really doing what they think is, is, is right. uh, Whether or not we agree with them, I I feel nothing, even if you don't agree with what this woman wanted to do, I think we can at least show her some compassion for what this family went through. Any thoughts, Jeff? No, I think
1: that I have pretty much stated where I'm at with this and I don't really need to reiterate where I am. Yeah, I I think we're pretty clear, both of us, where we're at.
0: Oh yeah, and I mean the thing it really irks me when I hear that, you know, the the partial birth abortions and all that. And I I really don't know how many of those are ever done uh for for convenience. I really don't know and I don't know if the baby's going to be born that whole that whole thing just really I I think that's horrific. Uh it's an abomination. But you know, even even in the third trimester, my my younger son was born at 35 weeks. And it was a medical emergency. I was actually put under general anesthesia for this. And what I was told when he came out, he had a pouting lip, you know, like when the baby's about to start crying, and his blood sugar was really low. So uh, his dad was holding him, and they gave him a bottle. And Luca just stuck out his hands, grabbed that little bottle, and shoved it in his mouth. So to know that somebody could take this baby that knew he was hungry, knew what to grab, knew where to put it, and knew what to do, if you think it's okay to go in there and eviscerate that, that human being, that sentient human being who is viable outside the womb and still be okay with that, I have a serious disagreement with you, but there are cases that warrant compassion. This was one of them, and I wanted to share that with you. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me today. I know this was a really, really difficult topic, but it's one we really haven't delved into. We have a federalism case. We have a state case. We we have just human decency and compassion issues as well as egregious government over overreach and the potential for that uh, with regards to some of the the policies that conservatives um, like to like to advocate to pursue their policy outcomes on behalf of myself and jeff johnson i'm suzanne sherman I want to thank you for listening to the wasatch report i hope you like the show